So grateful to be here. Uh, Evelyn and I pulled in on Thursday, and uh, she was feeling like eating some Asian food, so we pulled into a Korean restaurant here and walked in, and there was a Korean guy by the name of June, and he said, howdy. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever had that happen to me. <laughs> It was just great. I'm like, all right, you know, we're in a different country here. <laughs> uh, this is uh, my family right here. Uh, my son, Josh, and his wife, Bethany, they've been married for four years, and uh, they met and got married in, uh, at Baylor uh, when he was a senior and she was a junior. They... Uh, you know, he, he's a California kid and uh, felt led to go to Baylor, and then he ended up getting married on a Texas timeline, so, you know? <laughs> the, I, the, you know, um, one of the things I have vivid memories of, Josh used to love uh, animals, and so, uh, you know, he used to watch Lion King, and there was this one time we were at the beach, and um, Evelyn and I were doing something, and I turned around, and he was on the ground like this, sneaking up to this little girl so he could stalk her, and I had to run over and grab him. I'm like, you are not a lion. Don't do that to her. <laughs> so funny. And so then there was this one time, uh, I remember, uh, you know, uh, my Fridays are my Sabbath day, and uh, we uh, bought Josh all these little tubs of, like, little animals. And so he had, like, an elephant and a giraffe and... Uh, zebras and antelope and all kinds of elk and stuff like that, you know, turtles, the whole nine yards, right? And he had them all spread out in the living room floor, and he was, you know, having them do stuff with each other. And I thought, you know what? Hey, Josh, I got a special surprise. Let's go to the zoo. And he's like, no, I just want to play with my animals. And I was like, no, bro, you know, like, let's play, let's go see the real things. And he's like, no, I just want to stay here. And so I spent the next hour and a half playing with his plastic toys. You know, that's what dads do. Uh, but, but there was this thing in my heart like, I want to take you out of the plastic and bring you into the real and I, you know, I, I, the Lord brought that memory back to mind this morning because the enemy has this way of getting us focused on what's plastic and imitation. And we can get so caught up with it that we lose the sense of what the real thing is. Now, you know, in the book, uh, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, that comes from a Greek word, apocalypso, okay? And the word apocalypse means to have our eyes unveiled so we can see. And I just like for us to pray with our hands over our eyes. Lord, would you unveil our eyes so that we can see you clearly and understand the world that you've created us to live in? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'd like for us to stand and read Revelation 7, 9 to 10 together out loud. I think this is just a, you know, a good place for us to begin. All right, let's read together. Ready? Can we put the, the slides up on this side too? Okay, ready? Go. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, 
And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Please be seated. All right, so, you know, one of the things I've really appreciated about being here, uh, and I just want to honor, honor you guys, Tyler and Ashley, you know, these are true people. Uh, when Jesus first met Nathaniel, he said, this is a true Israelite in whom there's no guile. And I just feel like that is true of you guys, and it's true of your church. And you know what? True people who have no guile can be kind of inconvenient sometimes. Uh, because they'll say things that kind of might prick at us a little bit because there's deception that's in our heart. And, um, but it's a gift to have true people who are trying to understand the scriptures and live it out. And I, I really believe that that's the kind of culture that you guys are trying to build here. And it's so crucial so, uh, th th you know, as I was praying this morning uh, for you all, I, I felt like there was a question that the Lord wants to help you to answer. And here it is. Why am I here now? Okay, why am I here now? There's a, a couple things layered in there. One of them has to do with purpose. Why am I here in this world? Some of you might have that question. There's others of you that might be wondering, why am I here in this church? And there's others of you uh, those of us who are younger, who, I'm using the word us very elastically here, <laughs> 60, okay? There's some of you who are like, why am I here in this time? Right? Many of you are probably bruised by the fact that you live in a world where for the first time, Americans aren't expected to have an income higher than their parents. That's a bummer. Right? People go to school all these years, Americans' income have been rising, and then you're the first generation where that isn't the case. Some of you were born right after 9-11, and life has been one crisis after another, and there's a lot of Americans who can look at that and go, such a bummer. But see, there's a question inside, which is like, why am I here now? Is there a reason? Is there a purpose? Is it just random? Or does God have a reason why you are alive in this day and age, given all the tremors of society, given the climate change, not just with regard to rain, but with regard to the world we live in, why the world seems so complicated, why it feels so tiring. And I think the thing I want you to understand is that God is not unaware of this time. And if ye, he knows you, there is a reason why you are alive. If you are 20 years old, and this is the world you've grown up in, there's something that's meant to be a gift to you to understand about this time and why you're here. And for those of us who are a little older, and especially those of us who have hair this color, or should have hair this color, <laughs> and have people help us, okay? <laughs> There's also a reason why you are here now in this room, in this church, for this time surrounded by all these young people. And I just want to start uh, by reading Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Uh, Paul says, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's not a gift. Not a res uh, it's a gift of God, not a result uh, of works that no one should boast for. We are his workmanship or his gift or his creation 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. So let me just explain it this way. Today is 10 to 22, right? That's today, and what the, the word of God is saying is this. He knew you and I before we were in our mother's room. Some of us, that was 20 years ago. Some of us, a little further back, right? But what it's saying is this. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. Now, none of us knows where we're going to be on October 2nd, 2027, or October 2nd, 2032, or for some of you, October 7th, 2072, right? But God does know those things, right? There's a reason why for some of us in 20. Uh, 27, he's going to have some things he wants to do in and through our life. And so the reason why we're over here is to get ready for this or to get ready for this. This is why it's so important to pay attention, okay? Because if we get lost in the plot of this world and get lost in a TikTok world or get lost pursuing things that don't matter, we're going to lose the plot and not be ready, See, God has a preparatory developmental process. He has each of us in. And the times we're going through and the things that you and I are experiencing are part of that preparation process if you really believe that Jesus is Lord of your life and Jesus is also Lord of the time, which I do believe, right? I believe because Jesus is sitting on the throne, he's his fingers are right in the middle of all the, of the world's craziness, of all the conflicts and the difficulties that you're having, of all the challenges that we have, because he loves you enough to try to get a hold of you and help you to be ready for tomorrow. And, and not just to be ready in the sense of surviving, but being a change agent so that you and I have an opportunity to be part of what happens in Revelation 7-9. Because that's the destiny of what it is to be believers. And, and by the way, I, the, you know, the, the other thing I like about banning cleanup here, okay, in this conference is I... I I feel like the Lord said to me, the reason why you're going last is because you can explain biblically why it is that everybody has spoken the way they have. We heard these amazing stories from Jimmy, who's been out to the nations and done all these things, and amazing stories of faith from Claudia and Chaz about why it was that they put themselves in places of danger, and from my amazing wife, Evelyn, who runs from disaster to disaster and sees God move, but why? And you see, the thing you have to understand is that here at Antioch, we have a different kind of normal, okay? Because it's based on a particular way of understanding the scriptures and the fact that our lives are based on obedience to his word in the fullness of what the scriptures say. Ellen, can I have my water bottle? Right, and so I, I just want to take some time to go through some scriptures to help you to understand. Okay, so let's, we're gonna look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 14 is kind of a big deal to Antioch churches. I can guarantee you, you can go to any Antioch church and that'll be the Wi-Fi password, M-A-T-T-2414, okay? <laughs> All right. So Matthew 24, 14 
Let's read it out loud. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Or this is actually to the ethne, to the ethnic people groups of the world. This gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of the rule and reign of God will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all ethne, and then the end will come. Now, Bible study 101 is, if you look at a passage, look at the context. Okay, so I created this little slider on the left side, okay, because we're gonna look at verses three to 13 because that's the context of verse 14. So I want you to know where we are in the text because I don't have this big TV screen where we can put the whole text on there. Okay, so Matthew 24, three is where it begins, right? So that, that's where the pointer's up at the top so you understand where we are in the text. Okay, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? When will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, so Matthew 24, 14, he tells us what's gonna happen. The gospel of the kingdom is gonna be preached to all ethne. And then that's the answer to a question. What will be the, the the sign of the end? So Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. So let's go to the next slide. So Jesus says something. He's like, okay, for those of you who are moms, there's birth pains and they increase in intensity and frequency the closer you get to the birth, okay? So Jesus tells us we don't exactly know the time, but there are some signs, right? What you wanna look for is birth pains. So then Jesus tells us what the birth pains are. Before the end, there's a bunch of birth pains. Here's the first one. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many, okay? So the first thing is, the, uh, watch out that no one deceives you. The first sign of the time close to the end is deception, okay? When you see an increase in intensity of deception, you know you're getting close to the end. I don't know about you, if I can't trust what's on the news, that seems like deception to me. If I don't really know how to read my Bible anymore, when it says something pretty clear, and there's all these people saying, but that's not actually what it meant. It's sort of like our version of, it depends what the, truth, what the word is, is. Some of you that are older know what I'm referring to, okay? But, but you and I are awash in deception. We don't know what's right, what's wrong, who to trust, what's going on. So if this seems like it's explaining something to you, then maybe we're experiencing a birth pain. What do you think? Okay, so here's the next one. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, okay? If it seems like you're in a time where there's an increasing worry about wars and worries of wars, like China invading Taiwan or whatever, then this would be the second birth pain, and Jesus qualifies it. He says, such things uh, must happen, but the end is still to come. Now, the, here you find this. It's ethne will rise against ethne. 
It's not nation states. So when you start seeing ethnic cleansing happen, when you start seeing tribes that are starting to war against each other, as was what happened with Hutus and Rwandans and with Bosnia and so forth and so on, these are the kinds of things Jesus say pay attention to. And then the next phrase is Basileia against Basileia, which is spiritual power. So when you see Sunni and Shia, fighting. When you see Muslims and Buddhists fighting, Jesus says these are the signs. When you see the contractions, the spasming of our world, and people are feeling, oh my goodness, what is going on? See, this is meant to help us to go, oh, okay, I've seen that. I've seen that in the user's guide to life. (laughs) All right. Rumors of war. So the first one's deception. The second one is war. And then he mentions famine, right? Which might be related to climate change or other things. So there's a lot of concern in our world about climate change and so forth and so on. And so famine is the next one. And then the one after that, he says, is earthquakes. We live in earthquake country out where we are, right? And so there's earthquakes And then what's very interesting is in the parallel passage in Luke, uh, Luke, Jesus actually mentions the word plagues, or in the King James, it's pestilences. This word in the Greek is the word loimos, which actually means viruses. Okay? The, the, The other place this is used in the New Testament is when it says, oh, this man, Paul, is a loimos. He's a pestilent fellow. Okay? So... Let's go to the next slide here. When you see, in, uh, when these increase in intensity and frequency, then you know the time is near. Deception, wars and rumors of wars, famine, earthquakes, and plagues. Okay, how does that strike you? Is this helping us to understand a little bit about the time we live in and the world we live in? Okay. And so, you know, to, get, to, to go to the next slide, remember, these are the signs that help this to take place. Now the question is, what is the connection, right? Why does Jesus say these things ought to be here before Matthew 24, 14? It's because of this. Those things are things which cause people who aren't open the gospel to all of a sudden go, what is going on to get help them to be open? That's the reason why. So this is why Christians, we have to learn how to understand and look at the news and the events of our day with a biblical framework so that we don't step into fear, but we step into going, oh, I see what God might be doing, right? The reason why Antioch moved in to engage the crisis the way we did is because for 40 years, people have been praying for the 1040 window and praying for Muslims, and all of a sudden, the reason people are running away is because For many Arabs, they're thinking, I used to believe in Islam, and now why are we killing each other? Is this what I really believe? This can't be the case. Could could it be that there's something that's not right in this, you see? And so all the shaking of the world causes people to ask questions about things that they always thought were reasonable. And so this is why you and I have to look at those things and understand how the fingers of God are involved in the sinful things that human beings are doing. 
right? God uses these things to bring people who weren't open to the gospel to be more open, whether it's plagues, wars, and rumors of wars, earthquakes, and famines. So this is the reason why Antioch has something like Unbound. When people are all messed up, we want to run in there because those things cause people to be open to the gospel. That's why part of what Antioch does is acts of mercy, because we understand that that's the front lines of the church in being the hands and feet of Jesus and serving people, loving people, and saying, you know what, there's hope. I know it seems like everything's messed up, but there's hope in our world. That's, that's why Evelyn and Chaz and Claudia and Jimmy are the way they are. That's why we are the way we are. It's because there's an understanding of what's in the scriptures. So here's the other thing. If that's the case, when you see plagues, deception, earthquakes, there's lots of people who are going to be like Chicken Little, oh, this guy's falling down, <laughs> right? And, you know, like, let's just go get 17 million gallons of water and go hide in the middle of the desert and wait for Jesus to come back. Or we can decide, no, actually, there's a reason why we are here. So that means we have to get equipped and be prepared so that we can step into those situations when they happen. Right? That's why the scriptures talk about the kingdom of God being like yeast that gets inserted into the dough. That's why the scriptures talk about us being salt, because salt doesn't do any good in a salt shaker. Right? It has to be inserted into the world. So, so for those of you who are in the marketplace, this is how God's already placed you there. But there's other places where God wants to empty his salt shaker in for two weeks or three months for a year. To, to salt, and, and by the way, salt preserves meat. So that means we're meant to look for places that smell rotten. Okay? When the world feels like it's rotting, don't complain. We can sit there and get all offended by how rotten our world is, but you know what? That's why it needs salt. That's the whole point. Okay, so I, I, I think the reason, well, what I'm trying to help us articulate here is that there's a lot of Christians that'll sit and complain because sinners are, act, are sinning. Okay? But why don't we just understand what the role of the church is and get out and be that? All right. So all right, we're going to con continue with this to uh, look at Matthew 9, uh, 24, 9, 13. Then Jesus answered, then you'll be handed over and persecuted and be put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations or ethnic because of me. That's pretty sobering, right? But Jesus tells us this is sort of what the job description is during these times. Again, there's so much for us to learn from people like Chaz and Claudia and Jonathan and others who have risked their lives. And, you know, those of us who in America have to be super careful because, uh, let me just say it this way. Among Christians, there's a great concern that if our culture grows, goes a certain way, we're going to get persecuted. And people spend a lot of energy then trying to create a politics to keep that from happening. When the scripture actually says that's where it's going. Okay, am I trying to say we shouldn't be involved in politics? No, but I am saying that I think we need to be careful when we spend our energy 
getting into a politics of fear that's based on Christians not getting persecuted. Okay, because the scriptures tell us where this is going. And I just, I wanna just get into this a little bit more deeply. Jesus says, let's, let's go to verse nine and 10. Jesus answered, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all ethnic because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Now, I just wanna go to these, this next slide here. I've color-coded something so you can see something here. There's two verbs in verse nine, handed over and hated, and they repeat in verse 10. At that time, many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other. In verse nine, it's the reality and the fear of non-Christians persecuting the church, but in verse 10, it's Christians that take on the hating and persecuting. Okay? Now, if this feels like 2020 and 2021, okay, <laughs> at that time, there's gonna be many people who will turn from their faith and will betray and hate each other, meaning other Christians. Okay, now I just well, let's go to the next verse, uh, the next slide here, because this word "turn away from the faith" is the Greek word "skandalizo," which can be translated as "turn away from the faith." It can be translated as "scandalized" or "stumbled" or "offended." Okay, Jesus is saying there's going to be a time when Christians are going to be offended by what other Christians are going to do, and they're going to start attacking them, and. Civil war is gonna come to the church about what the church is and what it isn't, and people are gonna spend all this energy beating each other up. Okay, that just feels to me like a script for these years. And, and how many people have been hurt because Christians have been offended? You know, this thing about learning to hold on to the true gospel and not be offended by another Christian so that offense and forgiveness rises up in our hearts is such a big deal. My amazing wife said this, uh, you know, reflecting on this, offense is offense that keeps us from the purposes of God. Right, offense O-F-F-E-N-S-E is offense, A space F-E-N-C-E. It's offense that keeps us from the heart of God. Okay, so I, listen, I, it's not that there aren't people in your life who've done things who haven't hurt you. People have be betrayed you. There's been terrible things that have happened in the church, all kinds of backbiting and so forth. I get it. But I don't wanna be a person that ends up getting offended and scandalized and stumbled by other Christians so I lose the plot of what's happening here, okay? And let me just say, what I actually think this is, is this is the enemy's playbook in these days, okay? And, and why is it? So let's just keep reading. Many, because from that place of offense, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. He's talking about believers. So they lose the plot. Because of the increase of wickedness, 
as the world gets darker, the agape of many Christians will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Okay, so here's how I summarize this. The enemy is using fear, persecution, and offense at what other Christians are doing to try and get his people to lie down, to allow their fire to grow cold so they won't be around to participate in the Matthew 24, 14 harvest. So let's just put that slide up so you guys can see it. I think it's the next one. Right? Again, the enemy wants to use fear of persecution or offense at what other Christians are doing to try and get his people to lie down. So I, you know what? I'm tired of being a target. I'm just going to lie down. I'm not going to stand up anymore. Or I'm just going to, I'm going to, just allow the fire. It's just so inconvenient to be a, a fiery person. I'm just, I'm tired of it. I, the, dis, the, 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 the disappointment, the disillusionment's too much. I'm just, I, you know what? I'm just gonna like stop being weird. I'm, I'm just gonna be a normal person. I, the enemy is invested in trying to whittle the church down, right? And I, I, I'm just being very pointed about this because I, I believe that God is looking for people like Joshua who will say, no, 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 as for me and my house. Yeah. We are going to serve the Lord. I am not giving in to this. Yeah. I can see, yes, that is the time we're living in, and this is what the enemy is doing. No! Yeah. As for me and my house, we are going to stand during this time. Because the enemy knows what's going to happen. He knows there's going to be a huge harvest. And so he's trying to knock out as many people as possible. So there's nobody left in the army, not for me. <laughs> so again, Matthew 24, 14, this is the whole thing here, right? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all ethne, and then the end will come. So to just summarize, okay, the first section of it is this. God uses deception, war, famine, earthquakes, and plagues to bring people who weren't open to the gospel to be open to them. So we have to be ready to jump in when we see those things happen. And the next uh, slide is this. Don't let the enemy use fear of persecution or offense at what other Christians are doing to try and get hit you to lie down or to allow your fire to go cold, be ready to reap. Now, this is a challenge because it requires that you and I develop a spirituality that is deep, that is not gonna get offended when the waves of society and all these things are gonna start blowing around, that you can be like a tree that is planted by the roots of streams of living water so that you don't get blown away by all the cultural noise, right? And so I, I, I pose this question, why am I here now, right? So I, I hope that what I'm helping you to do is, first of all, understand a little bit about what's actually happening in our world, about what's happening in the nations, why it seems like the world's so messy, and what's going on here in the United States, and why the world here is so messy, and what it is that Satan's trying to do in this time to trying to get Christians to be offended by all sorts of things that aren't the whole picture. And go, ah, you know what? That just, and, and what it's all aimed at is for people to go, ah, forget it. I just don't want to do this anymore because it's so exhausting. 
You know, the, the fact of it is, is okay, back in Ephesians, see, you are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus for good works. God has a calling and a destiny for you. If you allow yourself to be purged by him, to be led by him, if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak truth to you so that you become ready and equipped, resilient and strong with the tools and the grace, right, to understand your calling, to have character that, that doesn't have bullet holes in it, and to have competencies of knowing how to share the, your faith, how to disciple people, and, and how to pray, right, in a community that will hold you fast. Right? This is part of a process. Now, I, I just want to close and, and say that, you know, we as Americans uh, are into this hyper-individualism thing. Did you know, for example, that in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, you is plural? Right? It's the new King James Texas version, which is like, I am the vine, y'all the branches. Right? If y'all abide in me, right? And, and the reason why this is important is because you and I, we, you can't do it by yourself. I, I believe that the reason why you're here now during this time is God is doing something in our world. Out there, he's shaking the nations. And if we understand what's happening here in the United States, he's seeking to purify his church. You know what? It is a gift for you guys to be in this house because these people are trustworthy and they love you and care for you and they will help you to be ready. They're going to talk turkey to you sometimes, right? Speak the truth to you and it might feel inconvenient, but it's because they want you to make it. So you know what? If you're 15 or 20 years old, let me just say something. Lots of you guys are... We're all thinking, what am I going to do with my life? What should I do? And, and you know what? Actually, the key question isn't what you should do. It's who am I supposed to do it with? Okay, because it's about we, not me. God wants you to call you to a people who can shape you and form you. If you heard the people that were up here testifying yesterday, that's what they said to a person. And you need to commit yourself, even when you are bothered and even when you're offended by some things, to a people who will be your family, who will speak the truth to you, because you and I can't make it in this world by ourselves. We need to be part of a family that adheres to the word of God and his spirit, right? For those of you who have little kiddos, this is the sort of place you want to raise your kids. You need an alternate filter from all the noise that's going on out there. I know you know that so the social media world is click-driven. It's monetized by outrageous things to get you to pay attention so you need the word of God, led by the spirit of God, to be your primary filter. And that's going to come in a local church, in the ecosystem of a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church that knows to keep the main thing the main thing. Right? Where is your social influence? Anyway, who's social influencing you? Is it somebody you don't know on the internet? Who's cool? Or is it real people who are living a life? 
I, I just want to encourage you, make decisions, right? So moms and dads, you want to invest your time and your gifts here into this local church because it is the best insurance policy against this world. And you know, for those of you who are older, I, I, I do want to speak to you guys, to you, to you white hair folks for just a minute. Right, many of us have seen some amazing things happen through the Jesus people movement and other things, and you have looked for a place where the things that you prayed about in your 20s and 30s can take place. And you know, there's a time in our life where we want to hit the home run, and then, and then another place of joy when we see our kids hit a home run, but I, grandparents are different. They get a kick out of just watching their kids eat a sandwich. Their grandkids eat a sandwich. You know what I mean? And, and many of you are accomplished and, and, and have achieved great things, but what I believe will really give you purpose is being able to come alongside young people and see them straightened out and see them fly. Grandpas and grandmas of the spirit, there are many sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters who need your wisdom who need your intercession, who need your faithfulness. So into this place, come talk to Tyler and Ashley and say, I'm in. How do I give myself to the things you wanna do that God wants to do here so that not just in 2022, but in 2027 and in 2032 and in 2072, the work of God is happening through these young people that are come in and through this, this depot here. Would you stand? got a couple uh, practical things I just want to bring to your attention. The first one is this. You know what? It might be that as I've been preaching, you've been like, you know what, Pastor John? I've been living in offense. I've been offended at things that people have said. I've been offended by the church out there that's done some crazy things. And I've just been like, if that's what the church is, I don't want to be a part of it. Listen, I understand. But don't let the enemy derail you. Don't let the enemy put a fence around your heart. If you have places of offense in your heart that you need to let go of so that your, the deepest longings of your heart can be released and connected to the heart of Jesus, I want you to just come forward and come over to this side over here, okay? So that, that, that's what this is, if, if, if offense. If there's some of you that have fears of persecution, fear of what's gonna happen if you really let Jesus be Lord, you know what? I, I just wanna, as a father in the Lord, don't let fear be the thing that captures you. Is that what you wanna say? 10 years from now where you're at that you're still in the same place? I don't think so. And God, your Father, says, I love you with an everlasting love. Come to me. Give me your fears. And so if that's you, the case for you, I want you to come right up over in this part of the, uh, the, the stage so that you can receive. And, you know, prayer ministers, you can just pay attention to what it is that people are coming up for. Some of you, uh, maybe for the first time, just need to say, God, I want to give yourself wholly to your purposes. You know what? The scriptures are finally making sense to me. Now, all the things that I've been worried about are making sense. So I'm going to give myself to you. I want you to come over here. And, and you know what? There are some of you 
that maybe for the first time in your life, because this is the first time you've ever been here, maybe you haven't been here for a while, but what God's actually saying is, you know what, what God's doing through this church is something I need to commit myself to for my good or because God's calling me to sow it in the next generation. And I want you guys to come over here, right? And Tyler and Ashley, why don't you come over here and just pray for them? Okay, so again, up in the left, forgive me for my offense. God, over here, God, deliver me from my fears. Over here, I give myself wholly to your purposes. And on this side with Tyler and Ashley, I wanna commit myself to this church. Help us. Come on, let's, let's just give ourselves to the Lord. Kneel down, take a posture that's appropriate to what it is that God's speaking and doing in your heart.